Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power. And here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into the program again today. Colin and myself are delighted to have your company. And just as we start, we just invite you to join us for prayer as we ask God to bless our study today. Gracious Father in heaven, we just submit ourselves to you, to your love, to your grace and your righteousness. And Father, we come needy, sinful, helpless and dependent. And we just invite you to please forgive us for our sins, to give us a fresh measure of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak through us, Father, that you would touch lives, that you also give the Holy Spirit to those who are listening and are watching at the moment. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Colin, we had a fascinating study last time we ran the program. We were talking about the white raiment which God counsels us to buy. And it particularly counsels the last church out of the seven churches found in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And we spoke about the justifying uh, righteousness of Christ, and we also spoke about his sanctifying righteousness, and we started touching on the beautiful topic of the everlasting gospel or the everlasting covenant. Yes. So perhaps you just want to take us through a little summary for those who have just joined us of what we spoke about last time so we can build on that in this program. Well, we talked about the old and the new covenant and, and how the new covenant, it's God wants to do everything. God's going to... Um, write his laws and his on our mind and our hearts. It's God who's going to forgive our sins. It's God mm. who's going to to do it. And uh, we talked about the old covenant is where we want to do everything. That's right. And we talked about the new covenant does not take away God's law. God's law is still present. The only change that has taken place is the Christian's relationship to the law. Mm, because we looked at that last time where it says that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And then we looked at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3 where it spoke about the law was the ministration of death written and engraved on tables of stone. So when the law is external to us and it was written on those tablets, mm. it ministers death to us instead of life. But if we receive it through the Holy Spirit and then is written on the tablets of the heart, put in our minds, it ministers the righteousness of Christ to us. That's right. Which ministers life. That's right. Mm. And so we're going to talk about the gospel of deliverance from sin today, the gospel of deliverance. And oh, Paul, beautiful. Paul understood that um, – in, uh, in the Apostle Paul understood the gospel of victory over sin when he wrote these words in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. He goes, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Mm. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer to it? Amen. So he's saying, No, once we're dead to sin, we no longer live to sin. Mm. And, and I mean, just before that, you know, a couple of verses back in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. It says, moreover, the law entered that the offense or the sin may abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. That's so right. this is the grace that we are proclaiming to you, dear listener, at the moment. That's the right. super abounding grace of God. That's right. Mm. And here Paul clearly states that the follower of Jesus Christ should not be living a life of habitual sin. Mm. He then goes on to explain why this is so. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 7, he says, Know ye not... That so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Mm. Therefore, because of that, therefore always means what we've just read before. That's right. Therefore, because we were baptized into his death, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead 
by the glory of the Father, even so we should should walk in newness of life. Mm, amen. For we had been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that's with Jesus, mm. that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should no longer serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Mm. And that's in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 7. So Paul okay. is telling us in these verses that all who've accepted Jesus Christ died with him on the cross. Yes. And were buried with him in the grave. Mm. And therefore, because of that, the old sinful nature, you, the sin-loving me, the prideful you, the unforgiving you, or not you, but I'm just saying about us, the angry you, the angry me, the lustful you, the lustful me, is dead and buried with Christ. Mm. So all our liabilities have been taken out of the way through the death of Christ. That's right. Mm. Therefore, your old sinful nature is dead and buried and need not control you any longer. We don't have to be controlled by our sinful nature. Yeah, because that verse 7 is very clear. For he who has died has been freed from sin as long as we have died in Christ. That's right. So when mm. you are tempted to sin, you are to believe that the old sinful nature that once controlled you need not control you anymore. And so this is really great news. It and you do not news. need to yield to the temptation of sin. And so at the moment of temptation, you simply put that sinful you back on the cross mm. and believe it is dead and buried with Christ. This is what it means to be died daily and to take up your cross daily. Knowing this fact and that you don't have to live a life, well, that old life of sin, Paul goes into write in Romans chapter 6, verse 8 to 14. What does it say in Romans chapter 6, verse 8 to 14? It says, For now, if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. So this is a, a connection to Christ, a really intimate rela- connection. You know, verse 5 already we had read, For if we've been united together, with Christ in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Going to verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So in other words, the word dominion there no longer rules over him because he lives eternally. For the death that he died, he died to once to sin once for all. But the life which he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also... Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion, in other words, rule over you, dominion Mm. over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So what's happening here is Paul's saying, because you've died with Christ and we're Mm. buried with him, and so first question we go, have we died with Christ and have we been buried with him? That's the first step, isn't it? You have also been raised up with him, Mm. his resurrection, and can live a life of obedience to God. He's saying you can. For you are now dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Yes. And so in the letter to the Galatians, Paul clearly describes how the Christian is to live the obedient life through Christ. So Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the how. And that's what we really want to focus on today. Right. Is we want to know how. How does this work? Well, that's important. So the, the practical aspects of how our faith works and what our faith is to be placed in. That's right. How mm. to live a victorious a victorious Christian life. Amen. So let's read Galatians 2.20. says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. 
I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm. So here Paul states how the Christian is to live an obedient life by telling us how he did it. Mm. What's the first thing he did? The first thing he did is he accepted the fact that he was crucified with Christ. Step number one. Yes. You see, the old sinful Paul was dead and buried with Christ. Mm. Then he is quick to point out that, nevertheless, I live. Yeah. Now, Paul's still so living. although he's dead, he's still alive, yeah. which is quite an enigma, to, I guess, to explain, but he explains it quite well. How is that possible? Yeah. However, it's not Paul that actually is living and controlling his life. Uh-huh. He's saying the old Paul's dead. Right. The Paul that, the Paul that you know, it was sinful Paul that was trying to control his life. Yeah, the persecuting Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not Paul that is actually living and controlling his life. Rather, he states, yet not I, but Christ live in me. Hmm. So Paul, Christ living in him was a reality so yes. It's not I that live, it's Christ that lives in me from now on Yes, It's Christ that's doing all these works It's Christ that's keeping the commandments It's Christ that's giving me the victory over sin Amen And, uh, and this was a reality to him Therefore Paul depended on Christ for victory over sin hmm. 100% Amen uh, Which he states with these words The life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God now, the phrase, the faith of the Son of God, means the Son of God's faithful obedience to his Father. Mm. So what Paul is saying is that he lives the obedient Christian life by depending in faith on Christ. Who's living in him? To continue to live a life of obedience to the Father in and through Paul. So he's believing that Christ is living in him, and that's Christ who will continue to live a life of obedience to the Father in and through Paul. Yes, and that, that close, intimate relationship there is demonstrated because it says we've been crucified with Christ. In other words, we find ourselves in Christ by faith. So when Christ died, we died with him. But then he also has the other aspect, the second part of that relationship, which is a real intimate relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. as Christ in us, our hope of glory. Mm. It says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Now, when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to the disciples, he said, you already know the Holy Spirit, for he is with you. But then he promised that Pentecost experience, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is he shall be in you. So Paul's explaining this whole close, intimate relationship of death, burial, and resurrection. But that resurrection, that newness of life comes with Christ living in us. That's right. So Paul's obedience, right, Mm. is actually Christ's righteous obedience manifest in and through him. Amen. It's not Paul's obedience. Mm. It's Christ's obedience which, and Christ's righteous obedience, which is manifest in and through him. This is the true biblical experience of sanctification by faith in Christ alone. Christ's righteousness is imparted or becomes the believer's life. Mm. So in order to have the victory God wants us to have, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. And I just want to pick that up because we spoke about faith and how important faith is. It's not our faith. Faith is a gift from God and has been authored by Christ. He said we have to look to Jesus. Mm. And I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus. So where do we have to focus our eyes? On Jesus. Look to Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Now, the word ours added. It's the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. And I just want to go to Hebrews chapter 5 because it talks about this whole complete package that we talk mm. about, the everlasting gospel, the good news of our salvation. That's right. It says that Christ, after he had suffered, it says, having been perfected, this is Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9, having been perfected, he, Jesus, became the author 
of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Wow. So Christ is the author of our salvation just like he is the author of our faith. Our, com- our, our complete deliverance from sin, from its penalty and its power, is found in Jesus Christ. Yeah, by focusing on Jesus. So it, doesn't it say that in 2 Corinthians 3, ch- chapter 3, verse 18? As you behold. Amen. Who are you beholding? Jesus. As you behold Jesus, mm-hmm. you are what? Transformed into his image. Yeah, from glory. The, from his character. Yeah, his from character. From glory to glory. Into by the same the, image. By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it says it there again. Mm. And so that's how we experience sanctification by faith in Christ alone. So it's by it, beholding, just like we behold him in Second Corinthians chapter 3.18, and also beholding Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Yeah. It's Christ's righteousness is imparted and becomes the believer's life. So it's where our focus is, where our eyes are looking. That's right. Mm. You know, and also in order to have victory that God wants us to have, we must keep our eyes focused on Jesus constantly. Or as Paul puts it, in First Thessalonians chapter five verse seventeen, he says, "Pray without ceasing." Yes, constantly focusing and praying without ceasing. We must become diligent to be led by the Spirit, moment by moment, and be sensitive to the Spirit's conviction when temptation comes our way. Now, this will require one hundred percent surrender of self, one hundred percent of the time. This is how the believer buys the white raiment. Mm. We've got to surrender 100% of self, 100% of time. You see, our sinful nature will try to dominate us. It will cry out to be satisfied by us, yielding to the temptation. So our part is to willingly choose to turn away from that temptation. Yes. We can choose. And to deny self and take up the cross. Die to the yearning to fulfill the temptation. Look to Jesus, asking him to give us his victory over it Mm. and believe he will do it just that. All we can do is choose and believe. Amen. And we choose by giving our will to God and then believe that Jesus will give us his victory. This is the experience that those will have who come out of Laodicea, receive the latter reign of the Holy Spirit and ready for Christ's return. Mm. Now, you might find yourself having a desire for a certain sin that you really don't want to give sure. up. We all have that. I've got ones that I'm dealing with. Yeah, maybe it's chocolate or ice cream. or it could be could anything. Be anything, yeah. yeah. Whatever it is, it's whatever the thing that you're dealing yeah, with. Yeah. And, and it's something you really don't want to give up. Mm. We don't want to give it up because we like it. You know it's unhealthy, but you still do it. That's yeah. right, because we like it. Mm. In that case, again, look to Jesus. Amen. Ask him to give you his desire concerning that particular sin. For Jesus not only gives us forgiveness for sin, but also repentance. You know, Jesus gives us repentance. So not only is faith a gift, Jesus gives us other things as well in regards to our salvation. He gives us repentance. Wow. A desire not to want to sin. You can read that in Acts chapter 5, verse 31. And it says, Him, that being Jesus Christ, God has exalted to his right hand to be a prince and a savior, to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. So repentance is a gift, and the forgiveness of sins, which comes with that, is another gift from God. And repentance is turning away from sin. That's right. It's a 180-degree turn. If you were walking that way, you'd make a U-turn, and you walk the other yes, way. Walking only, away from God, now you're walking towards God. So the good news here not only gives you forgiveness, but he also gives you repentance. Mm, thank you, Lord. You know, a desire not to want to sin. And I just love what um, you know what Ellen White says um, in the Spirit of Prophecy from the her book, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. That's a great little book. That's page 142. It says, The victory is not won without much earnest prayer. Let's just stop there. It's not won without how much? Much. Earnest. Much earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. We, you know, we've got to wrestle. You know, you know how Jacob, 
He wrestled with God all mm. night. He wouldn't let go until he received the blessing. We are not to let go of Jesus in, until he received the blessing. Mm. Amen. So it says, our will is not to be forced into cooperation with divine agencies, but it must be voluntarily submitted. So that's that surrender or laying down. That's our part, isn't it? Yeah, which is the crucifi- being crucified with Christ. Were it possible to force upon you with a hundredfold greater intensity the influence of the Spirit of God, it would not make you a Christian, a fit subject for heaven. The stronghold of Satan would not be broken. The will must be placed on the side of God's will. So as Jesus is our example, he says, Nevertheless, let not my will, but thy will be done. So our will is also to be in accordance with the will of God for us and our life. Three times he did that in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? Not my will, but your will. He struggled. Mm. He struggled with that. He wrestled, but but he was authoring our salvation in in, in that struggle, wasn't he? But in the end, he was not my will, Father, but your will. And that's going to be the same with us, Father. We're struggling with... With things in our lives, but not my will, Father, but your will. I will. Yeah. So it says the will must be placed on the side of God's will. Mm. You are not able of yourself to bring your purposes and desires and inclinations into submission to the will of God. But if you are willing to be made willing. Stop right there. (laughs) But if you are willing to be made willing. So our thing, Lord. I'm willing to be made willing. I'm not willing to do it, but I'm willing for you to transform and change me so that I have those yes. right desires and motives. Yes. Amen. How's this? And then what? if you do this, this is the promise God will do. Okay. God will accomplish the work for you, even casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, that wow. is a quote from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 5, so it even pertains to the thoughts and the feelings. It says there, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Which is what we want, isn't it? Amen. Okay, but we've got to be willing to be made willing. I've prayed that prayer a number of times. Lord, I'm willing to be made willing. I don't feel willing at the moment, but I know that I, what you offer is so much better than what I have. Yes. I'm willing to be made willing. Yeah. It says, then you will work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is also another quote. This is from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and verse 13. Then you will work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So who's doing it? It is God working in you both to will and to do. If But only if you're willing to be made willing. Mm. There's the choice that we need to be making. Some profound statements in that. In and, that. And, and it's not going to happen. The victory is not going to happen without much earnest prayer. Yes. We've got to wrestle with God and humble ourselves at every step. There's a humbling ourselves, humility Amen. at every yes. step. Amen. Um, that's just a wonderful promise, isn't it? And this is what sanctifying faith is. This issue was at the heart of the Protestant Reformation. You know, the battle cry of the Reformation was sola fide, by faith alone. alone. Yes. This issue is at the heart of the gospel and the message of righteous by faith. Mm. It is also how one avoids falling to Satan's Amiga apostasy. Okay. The, remember, the Amiga apostasy is, one, either trying to achieve righteousness by your own efforts and works, which is mm-hmm. the old covenant, or you default to the other side that 
obedience to God's commandments sure. cannot be kept. So we've taken the Alpha and the Omega of apostasy. So the first apostasy and then, of course, the last great deception. Um, and we've just boiled it down to what it really means in essence, which is, again, um, denying the constitution of God's government, which is his selfless law of love as contained in the Ten Commandments. And as demonstrated in the life of Jesus Christ. That's right. Mm. And, and and so the Omega Posse is saying that, you know, there are people who are saying the law cannot be kept. Yes. You cannot keep the commandments of God. You cannot have victory over sin. Mm. Contrary to the scriptures we've just read in Romans and, uh, That's right. and many other scriptures. Yeah, and as we said, it's a half truth, basically, because in and of yourself, you can't do it. You can't. But if you've been crucified with Christ and Christ lives his life out in you, he's not a minister to sin. He's a minister of righteousness. The only way is Christ living in you and keep and writing the, the and God doing the connection with God. And if you're willing in you. to be made willing, God will do it. Amen. And so um, the Bible is very clear on the matter concerning the Christian walk with God. You know, God is so clear. And he makes this clear in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, about, about how to walk with Jesus. Okay, this is a beautiful, simple little text. It says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Received him as my righteous prince and my deliverer. Did you have to work at that? No, by faith. There's the key. Amen. You believed by faith in the promise what God said he would do. Mm. It's by faith. So how do you walk with him? By the faith. Sanctification part. By faith again. By faith in him that he will mm. do what he said he would do in and so through So believing you. his word because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Yeah. Believing his word as you did when you received it the first time. So now you believe that he's able to keep you from falling or even to, uh, not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with every temptation, he will always make a way of escape. Believing that he will write his laws on your mind and hearts. Mm. Believing he'll give you a new heart. Believing he'll put his spirit in you to walk and keep his statutes and his commandments. Believing he will do what he said he will do by faith. Jeremiah 31, that that new covenant promise. That's right. So people are saying that he can't do it. It's really what they're saying is they don't have faith in God's word. That's right. It is a statement of unbelief, Colin. That's right. Yes. So... The one way he receives Jesus Christ as his justifying Savior is by faith. Mm. Well, I mean, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and died for our sins, don't we? Yes. And we believe he forgives uh, our sins and gives us eternal life. And one becomes a Christian by faith in Jesus. Works are not involved. God does not require a lost sinner to begin doing good works before coming to Jesus. The sinner does not have to clean up his life and try to make himself acceptable before God. Before receiving salvation, mm. we come to him as we are. As we are, that's right. No, the sinner simply comes to Christ as he is and accepts him by faith as his Savior. Mm. We accept what Christ has done for him. The same principle of faith applies to the Christian being sanctified, Amen. living the obedient life. Once one is born again and begins to live the Christian life, it is natural for him to focus on his own efforts to obey God's law. It's okay, a natural so thing. A, a, okay, so it can be a distraction. We've got to be careful that our eyes of faith are taken off Jesus and they start focusing on what we can do. Yeah. However, Amen. we soon discover that it's impossible by our own efforts mm. to keep God's law. Yes. And Paul describes this impossibility in Romans chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. Paul says, I find in the law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity 
to the law of sin which is in my members. Yeah. So, you know, Paul had personally experienced the impossibility of obeying God's law through his own efforts. Mm. And he's forced to cry out in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, when he cries out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of his death? Yeah, and that is such an appropriate text because we're dealing with the later C in church and we're talking about ourselves so that we can see and then also white raiment, which is the righteousness of Christ so that our nakedness is clothed. But the thing, the issue that Laodicea does not know is that they are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. But the word wretched is only found twice in the Bible. And here it's fine the second time. A wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So the, the solution, the antidote to the Laodicean problem is actually the answer to this question. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? The answer is given right there in Romans chapter 7, verse 25. Mm. He then gives the answer to his cry. I thank God yeah. through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Apostle Paul had learned that faith in Christ was the only way to victorious live an obedient Christian life. Mm. Amen. And so again, he goes on, you know, in Romans chapter 8, verse 3 to 4. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, just get have that put in your head, yeah, yeah. in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh, mm. that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who work not after the flesh but after the spirit. Wow. Now that, that's some powerful text. And that, of course, continues the theme that we read in Romans chapter 7 where this man wants to do all the good things, but he can't find the ability to do it. He just gets defeat after defeat. All the bad things he doesn't want to do, those are the things he does. But he's familiar with the law. He says that he's got a law in his mind, but in his flesh he sees another law, which is the law of sin and the law of sin and death, as we read in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, because it says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, dear listener, we just need to take a break here, and we'll be right back after this short message. So stay tuned. You are listening to You Shall Receive Power with Colin Hone and Etienne McClintock. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference do relationships make to our health? A profound difference. Eight large-scale studies found that socially isolated people had two to five times the risk of premature death from all causes compared to those who had a strong sense of connection and community. No wonder the World Health Organization includes social health in its definition of wellness. We were created for social relationship. And the quality of social relationships has been found to be even more important than the quantity. So make quality time with your family and friends a priority. Maybe join a community group because people need people and relationships make a difference. Dear listener, welcome back. You are listening to You Shall Receive Power with Colin Hone and Etienne McClintock. And just before the break, Colin, we were talking about those beautiful texts that explain that condition when we start relying on our own works and we take our eyes of Jesus, where we actually exclaim then, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then the answer, of course, is I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we started getting into Romans chapter 8. That's right, where it says, but you know, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Mm, now, this was enabled by something that God did because we couldn't do it. You know, Romans 8 verse 3 says, for what the law could not do. In other words, we could not by keeping the law in and of ourselves do. God did 
by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And then it says, on account of sin, he actually condemned sin in sinful flesh because he took our fallen humanity upon himself. He took our fallen humanity on his sinless divinity, put these two together. And then that enabled us, as we read in verse 4, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who no longer walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's right. So we've got to walk according to the Spirit. So how do we do that? Well, in order to walk in the Spirit, we must daily experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is asking Jesus to live out his life daily mm. in and through. We die daily. Amen. We're almost born daily. We have Jesus living in us daily. And choose to yield to the Spirit's promptings. Now, once the choice is made to yield to the Spirit's promptings, we are then able to look to Christ to live out his victory over the temptations in our life. And this is why Paul wrote that the righteous of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh but in the Spirit. Now, what happens is Jesus, who lives in the Spirit-filled believer, will fulfill the righteous requirements of the law in him as he yields or walks after the Spirit. Yes. In other words, it is Jesus who does the fulfilling of the righteous requirements of the law in Amen. the believer. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Beautiful. So any righteousness that we seek to attain by our own efforts is actually unrighteousness, since it's impossible to attain any righteousness apart from faith in Christ's righteousness. And then mm. the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, he said this, didn't he? It says, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. All of us are unrighteousness, are like mm. filthy rags. And Paul you know, confirms this in uh, Romans, doesn't he? He does. Romans chapter 14, verse 23. Yes, he's talking about acts of faith. And he says, he who doubts is condemned. So unbelief condemns us if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever or whatsoever is not from faith is sin. That's right. So the only way to live a victorious Christian life is is to look in faith to Christ when tempted to sin. Mm. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the only way one's obedience can be holy is by faith in Christ living out his holy righteousness or his holy righteous obedient life within him. Mm. When tempted, he turns immediately to Jesus, asking him to manifest his victory over that temptation. Christ's righteous obedience will then be manifest in his life. He'll be experiencing righteous by faith yes. in his walk with the Lord. He will have bought the white raiment. And that is why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. Oh, these are beautiful verses. It says there, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, that's in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to, to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's right, from faith to faith. Mm. So the true gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of power. It is the very power of Jesus living in us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that brings salvation to us through our belief or our faith in him. Hence, the justified Christian lives by faith in Christ alone for righteousness. 
Mm. And John recognized faith as the only means of overcoming the temptation of Satan as well. He wrote in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, these wonderful words about how he, how we can overcome the temptations of Satan. Okay, and it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Even our faith. Even our faith. Now, that faith is not the one that we naturally have. That is the one that's been gifted to us. But if we've received it by faith, it is ours. So we can exercise the, the faith of Christ Jesus. Well, the three angels' message in Revelation 14, verse 6 to 12 mm. says, Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith, faith of, Jesus. of Jesus. We have yeah. Jesus' faith. Mm. And the keeping word there refers to not only the commandments, but also the keeping of that faith of Jesus. That's right. So they keep the possession of it. Yeah. Mm. You, you can see why Satan wants to blind God's people to the marvelous experience of righteous by faith in Christ alone. Yes. First, he wants to replace Christ from that aspect of the Christian's life by looking to our own efforts to overcome instead of looking to Jesus Christ. That was a problem that the Jewish nation have. Yeah. And that's some of the, that's the problem that many Christians have, and we've all experienced that trying to obey God through our own efforts mm. by our own strength. So he wants to replace Christ from the aspect of Christian life looking to our own efforts to overcome. Instead of looking to Christ. Now, secondly, this is his other way that Satan uh, tries to blind God's people. He doesn't want us to have the victory over temptation and sin. He does not want God's law to be obeyed. Hmm. For through experiencing righteous by faith, we place Christ at the very center of our walk with God. Yeah. And our life will be a life of obedience to God and his law. Mm. Satan's enmity to the law is, is great because it, it stops him. It, it doesn't enable him to achieve his desire and his object is to be like the most high. Mm. The law says you'll have no other gods before me. You will not have any graven images. You will not bow down before them and worship them. But Satan is always trying to work even behind the scenes to try and solicit worship. In Revelation chapter 13, five times the word is worshipped is mentioned there. It says they worship the beast and they worship the dragon who gave him his seed, his power and great authority. So through this antichrist power, Satan receives worship. He is trying to undermine God's law, undermine God's constitution, because if he can do that, he can receive worship. But the law of God prohibits him from receiving that. That's right. And even in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, who is the dragon or Satan? Making war with It's a good question He to says answer. And the dragon was arranged with the woman This is the ch- church Woman represents church And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring Or remnant mm. uh, Who keep This is the last remaining church on earth Just before Jesus comes Who what? They have these two things Who keep the commandments of God Number one Yes Not who try to keep the commandments Who uh, attempt to keep the commandments of God They keep the commandments of God And we're looking at today Is how we keep the commandments of God it's through the new covenant experience of Jesus and God writing the law on our mind and hearts mm. and giving us a desire to obey God's law because it's God giving us a new heart. It's Amen. Jesus living in us who will seek to keep the new God's covenant law. promise. And they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Mm. The testimony re- of Jesus Christ is the, the, the spirit of prophecy, which well, is what the prophets have written. That's right. It yeah. says that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, that the, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So mm. God is angry and makes war on those who have the spirit of prophecy and who keep the commandments of God. Amen. And so you can see why Satan wants to blind God's people, this marvelous experience of righteous by faith. But it's only through faith in Christ's obedience to God's law will be manifest in and through us through Jesus. Mm. And that is true righteous by faith. However, for us to receive the white raiment, 
we must first have the eye salve to remove our blindness of Satan's omega deception. We need the eye salve of the Holy Spirit to see clearly our true condition. Yes. All right. And to convict us of sin and lead us mm. to Jesus as well. And that, that blindness, when their blindness removed, we can more clearly see Jesus Christ. That's right. And By beholding we, him, we can become changed. But the, the eye salve needs to be applied. That's right. Yeah. And Ellen White, in the spirit of prophecy, certainly understood the centrality of faith in Christian's life. She wrote these words in the Review and Herald, October 18, 1898. The knowledge of what the scripture means when urging upon us the necessity of cultivating faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired. So what's the most essential knowledge that we can that we can cultivate? Yeah, well, it's, a, it's an essential understanding of what it means to cultivate faith. So how do we cultivate? How do we grow faith? That's about cultivating faith. Mm. She knew faith in Christ was the only way to victory. She knew that faith in Christ's righteousness was the only way to be righteous. Amen. She knew that faith in Christ was the only way to perfect obedience to God's law. Mm. This is why she endorsed the message of righteous by faith so strongly. You see it right through her writings. Absolutely. She knew it was the only way to have Christ central in the life and become the people whom, who come out of the latest sea and condition mm. and fulfill God's purpose for his church. And who receive the latter rain and are ready to meet Christ when he returns in Mm. glory. Amen. So we're going to talk about the struggle of surrender. What is the believer's part in experiencing righteous by faith? Okay. Now, you know, as I look at the Bible, we just read out of Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. But Romans chapter 8 verse 7 says that the carnal mind, the word carnal is the same word for flesh. Mm. It says that Christ came in the likeness of sinful flesh. The word flesh there is sarks. It says that the fleshly mind... I like that. The, the, the works of the flesh sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the way we transliterate it into our alphabet is S-A-R-X. Oh, okay. Sarks. Not, not as in and that, it, that it sucks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, and so the fleshly mind, it says, is enmity against God. So in other words, it is contradictory and it is one that's hostile towards God. Then it says that that fleshly mind is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So what we want to know is how do we get to surrender that mindset so that we can mm. receive the mind of Christ? Well, it's the struggle of surrender, isn't it? Mm. Let's be honest with us. And so the believer's part, our part in experience righteous by faith is to surrender our sinful desires to Jesus. Amen. And to let Jesus give us the victory. And even though the one might have accepted Jesus, he still has, he still has sinful desires within himself. Mm. At times, our sinful nature will manifest a strong desire to sin, and we can all relate to that. We've experienced that. You know, and we have besetting sins in our lives and habitual sins that have dominated us mm. when we even want to obey God. You know, and my struggle is not identical to your struggle. It's similar in principle, but, for example, I might struggle with an addiction to, say, alcohol. Mm. Well, you've got no issue with alcohol whatsoever. Or for me, it might be an addiction to what I see. Maybe it's pornography, but another person doesn't quite struggle with yeah. that. So we need the righteousness of Christ so that we can actually have that death in Christ, which is then a taking away of those desires because we're crucified. A dead man can no longer desire. That's right. <laughs> we then raise to newness of life with new desires, which is the, the principle we see from God by writing his laws within our hearts. And in our minds That's right And we all have besetting sins in our lives You know These are the habitual sins that have dominated us Even when we want to obey God And I know that time and time again uh, The victory even over one's best desires to do right 
it just doesn't you know it doesn't happen sometimes. Mm. And the only solution to this battle with self is to make a complete one hundred percent surrender. In That's other right. words, buy from God at such times of conflict with one's sinful desires. You know, there may be many times when the Christian will feel cry out as Christ did in the garden. Lord, if possible, let this cup pass from me. However, the Christian at such times must also say what Christ said. Nevertheless, mm. not my will, but thine be done. Yes. You know, once Christ gained the victory of surrender in the garden, the victory of the cross was assured. I want to just say that again. Once Christ gained the victory of surrender in the garden, not my will, but your will, Father, the victory of the cross was assured. Mm. That was where the decision was made. Not my will, Father, but your will. Yes. And it's the same with us struggling, you know, us struggling sinners. Once the victory of surrender is gained, the victory over sin is assured because at that point, Christ will manifest his victory in the life as the sinner asks Christ to do it and believes he will. Mm. So he authored that victory for us and then he gifts it to us if we receive it by faith. That's right. Mm. And so the Christian must realize that he will face strong battles with his sinful desires. However, the victory can be gained not by trying hard to overcome these sinful desires. No, the victory will gain when one chooses to surrender that besetting sin to God. That's the hard part. Mm. And then ask Christ to give him the victory over that temptation. We need to surrender and then ask Jesus to give us the victory over that desire. It's just that simple. Mm. It's 100% surrender. 100% of the time. Yes. And looking to Jesus 100% of the time for victory is the answer to living the consistently victorious Christian life. Mm, Amen. You know, that's why Ellen White wrote, you know, that it's a cooperative nature of victory when she wrote these words in letter 21, 1896. What the people want is instruction. What shall I do that I may save my soul? We need more and still more of vital godliness brought out. Wow. Mm. And again, she writes in the book Acts of Apostles, page 482. Wonderful book. If you ever get an opportunity, please. It's a great New Testament. It talks about the New Testament experiences of the apostles after Christ's resurrection. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is right through it. Mm. It's called Acts of Apostles, page 482. She makes this point. Is that the work of gaining salvation is one of co-partnership, a joint operation, There is to be cooperation between God and the repentant sinner. This is necessary for the formation of right principles in the character. Man is to make earnest efforts to overcome that which hinders him from attaining to perfection, which is 100% surrender. But he is wholly dependent on God for success, faith in Christ's obedience. Human effort of itself is not sufficient. 100% 100% surrender obviously is required. Mm. Without the aid of divine power, it avails nothing. God works and man works. Resistance of temptation must come from man, which is 100% surrender. Yes. Who must draw his power from God? So this is faith in Christ's obedience. So by faith, we are to draw that power. On one side, there is infinite wisdom, compassion, and power. And on the other side, weakness, sinfulness, and absolute helplessness. You've just got to come to that point. Absolutely. And Mm. so it's also important to ask Jesus to give us his desire towards any sin and temptation we desire. So Jesus will do that if we ask him. Remember, Jesus gives Christian both forgiveness and repentance, remember, which is a desire not to commit a particular sin. Yeah, amen. He gives us forgiveness and he gives us a desire not to commit a particular sin. So how can this happen in our lives? 
We want to get down to the nitty-gritty now. Yes. How can this happen in our lives? So what is the answer to how we can live a victorious or and consistently victorious Christian life? The answer is letting Jesus live out his life in us. Paul taught we have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, didn't he? Uh, yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And, of course, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And then Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen. Mm. So Christ's mind, right, was filled with what? Well, with pure joy, holiness, virtuous thoughts. So if we have asked Christ to live in us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day, if we believe he does, and if we believe he will manifest his love, his purity, his holiness, his virtuous thoughts in our mind, he will do just that. It's a matter of faith, believing that God said he would do that when we ask it, believing that he will truly manifest himself in our lives. Mm. This is why Ellen White wrote in uh, in the wonderful words uh, in this another great book. I, I'm Desire reading of it. Ages? I'm actually reading that book at the moment. Oh, and, are you? And, and I can't get past the chapter like going, wow, wow, mm. wow. Just amazing uh, a book called Desire of Ages. The first time I read that book, I sp- Speed read it, and it was just a fascinating book. Now I'm slowing down because there's so much yes. good. Every line is pregnant with meaning. It's, it's a good way of putting it. <laughs> it's taking me a while to read it because yeah. I'm highlighting things that just stand out, and it's just mm. not every page does. But this is found in The Desire of Ages, page 123. And I just want you to listen to these words, uh, what, what Alan White says in The Spirit of Prophecy. Okay, quoting from John chapter 14, verse 30, it says, The prince of this world cometh, said Jesus, and have nothing in me, there was in him nothing that responded to Satan's sophistry. He did not consent to sin, not even by a thought that he yield to temptation. So it may be with us. Christ's humanity was united with divinity. He was fitted for the conflict by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he came to make us partakers of the divine nature. So long as we are united to him by faith, sin no more has dominion over us. God reaches for the hand of faith in us to direct it to lay fast hold upon the divinity of Christ that we may attain to perfection of character. Wow. Whoa. Let that just sink in. Yeah. You know, Jesus is saying that, you know, he didn't consent to sin, not even by thought that he yielded to temptation. And he says, so it may be with us. But yeah, that, that just blows my mind. And, and it says there that God reaches for the hand of faith. So in other words, our faith, and what does he do with our faith? He wants it to lay fast hold. So that's a grip that cannot be loosed or mm. released. Fast hold upon the divinity of Christ. So we lay hold of divine power by faith, which is the power of Christ. Which is exactly what Jesus did. Mm. Christ's humanity was united with divinity. And he was fitted for the conflict by how? By the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So yes. we too may be... Uh, Fitted by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit by uniting our humanity with Jesus. And so the living Christ within the believer is to be our very life. Every believer is able to say, Christ lives in me, just like Paul. It's not I that live. Edin, you should be able to say, it's not I that lives anymore, Edin. It's Christ Christ. that lives in me. Amen. Colin, I can say, it's not I that lives anymore, but it's Mm. Christ that lives in me. You know, it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of Christ in me, the hope of glory. And the Christian need is to learn how to let Jesus live out his life in and through us. Mm. That's what we need to learn and how 
to learn to let Jesus live out his life in and through us. Yes. That is why the following scripture emphasizes the reality of Christ living in the believer. Mm. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10. This is another one of my favorites because it talks about reconciliation to God. In other words, bringing the relationship back that was severed through sin. And it says there, Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, For if when we were enemies, so there's still no goodness in us at that point in time, Mm. when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And again, it says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mm, Beautiful. There is a science of or methodology to salvation and victory over sin. These are the biblical principles for victory that Ellen White wrote. And she talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 in her book, Christian Education, page 84. Okay, it says the Bible contains the science of salvation. So it's a science so we can study it. Mm. For all those who will hear and do the words of Christ, the apostle says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and verse 17. So how does it happen? Well, simply put, here are the steps that you can take. Okay, the, Number one, when you become aware of a temptation to choose to sin, choose to turn your mind immediately away from it. Claim the promise in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Okay, and that says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's right. So when you become aware of temptation to sin, choose to turn your mind immediately away from it. Next, believe that your sinful nature's attraction to the temptation is broken. Just like we talked about in Romans chapter 6 Believe that your sinful nature's attraction to temptation is broken And believe Jesus is living in you Mm. Ask Jesus to manifest his virtue in you in relation to temptation Be specific Believe that he will manifest himself in that manner Rest in that belief and don't fight the temptation When we fight the temptation we are actually focusing on it And trying to resist in our own strength Yes. Instead Remember in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, look to Jesus for his victory in you. Mm. And then thank him for the deliverance he has just given you. Amen. And I'm going to give you an example, uh, just one quick example. Let's take an example of anger and unforgiveness. For example, someone says to you, has deeply hurt you. And we've all been deeply hurt, which has made you angry and you don't want to forgive them. Well, you can apply these steps as follows. First, as soon as you become aware of the temptation to become angry and unforgiving, you surrender, surrender that sinful desire and choose to turn your mind away from that what is making you feel angry. Okay, so it starts with surrender. That's right. Once you've identified it. That's right. Mm. Believe that the angry you, the unforgiving you, was crucified at the cross mm. and that the power of your sinful nature's desire to become angry and unforgiving is broken. Wow. Believe Jesus is in you. Mm. Ask Jesus to manifest his peace and forgiveness in and through you yes. and toward that person. Believe that he is doing that at that right at the moment. Rest in that belief and don't fight the temptation to become angry. Mm. And then thank him for the deliverance that he has just given you. 
Wow. Okay, so that's quite a few steps that you can take there, but they're practical and simple. First of all is identifying it, then surrendering it, and then thinking, well, if it's a feeling of anger and unforgiveness, that those sins were actually paid for at the cross. In other words, those sins have been taken away because if Jesus paid the price and removed them, in other words, justified, it's just as if we've never sinned, the power of those sins to control us have been taken away as well, as long as we reconcile ourselves to the death of Jesus Christ. Look on the to cross. Jesus and ask him to give you manifest mm. his virtue in and through you Amen. in what you're, you know, being tempted on. You know, if it's like anger, give me your peace. Yes. If it's uh lust, give me your purity. Mm. You know, whatever it is that you need. So crucified with Christ, that's the first step. And then the second step is Jesus in you, so that intimate relationship and believe that Jesus is in you and he will manifest his peace and forgiveness, his righteousness in your life. That's right. Dear listener, we're just going to take a break here and share our contact details with you. If you want, if you have any questions or you would like information or even want some books on this, we have some books by Pastor Dennis Smith, 50 Days Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Reign and Christ's Return. You can get those books. You can even get Helmut Horbel's book. Or if you want to have the details on how you can download a PDF version of the book for free, please contact us on these details. Thank you for joining us on You Shall Receive Power. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249-7334-56. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back. You are listening to You Shall Receive Power with Colin Hone and Etienne McClintock. And just before the break, we were talking about some practical aspects on how to deal with anger and unforgiveness. And Colin, we were just talking during the break about how big unforgiveness is. It is a big deal. We can all think of people who we struggle to forgive because of the wrongs they have done to us. Now, can we deal with some other issues as well? Another common one would be impure thoughts. Yes, yeah. Hmm. So let's just take, um, you know, you're tempted to have impure thoughts. We'll do the same thing with that temptation. As soon as you become aware of that temptation and thinking of pure thoughts, surrender that sinful desire and choose to turn your mind away from it, what is making you think those impure thoughts. Mm. Surrender. starts with surrender. Believe that the impure thinking you was crucified at the cross and the power of your sinful nature's desire to think impure thoughts is broken. Believe that. Believe Jesus is living in you. And then ask Jesus to manifest his pure thoughts in and through you. And believe that he's doing that right at the moment. Believe by faith that Jesus really is doing that. Rest in that belief and don't fight the temptation to think impure thoughts. Don't try and f- try and overcome it on your own strength because you just can't. Good advice. Then thank him for the deliverance from the impure thoughts that he's just given you. Now, Ellen White understood that the only way to be victorious over temptation is by faith in Christ's righteousness. Mm. And I just want to leave you with this, this um, quote from The Desire of Ages, page 324. Okay. Which talks about the only defense against evil. Mm, it says the only defense against evil is the indwelling of Christ in the heart through faith in his righteousness. Unless we become vitally connected with God, we can never resist the unhallowed effects of self love, which is the opposite of God's selfless love. Yes. Self indulgence and temptation to sin. We may leave off many bad habits for the time, we may even part company with Satan. But without a vital connection with God through the surrender of ourselves to him moment by moment, we shall be overcome. Without a personal acquaintance with Christ and a continual communion 
We are at the mercy of the enemy and shall do his bidding in the end. We've got to constantly be looking to Jesus moment mm. by moment. That's why Paul said, pray without ceasing. Amen. And remember, brothers and sisters, this is a process. Yes. So don't be too down when you fall. Jesus will be there yes. to pick you up again. Yeah. And if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Dear listener, may God encourage you, may He bless you, draw you closer to Himself and keep you until that day is our prayer. We look forward to catching up with you next time. God bless. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.